Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Friday evening. I know I am. I, we talked about it yesterday when I was on with Scott Horton, but I get a three-day weekend, which has not uh, happened quite often in the last couple months now that I'm supporting eight other people besides myself. So uh, I'm stoked to have a couple of nights off and, and happy to hang out on Friday night with you and our guests tonight. But of course, as per the usual, we're going to start off with some sponsors. Check out Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Of course, TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my friend, my partner in crime on Break the Cycle. Half of uh, 95% of my branding would not be uh, available if it wasn't for Top Lobster. He's amazing. You can now get this awesome camouflaged custom Break the Cycle hoodie, this custom in uh uh logoed break the cycle hat and this wonderful pillow from the couch streams to watch and cuddle with when you watch me uh three times a week at toplobster.com make sure you use btc at checkout for a 10 percent discount and of course anthemplanning.com uh for all your emergency and crisis planning needs these people are wonderful libertarians from delaware mises caucus uh, Amy Lepore is one of the smartest people I've ever known. They're executive producers of our show, so please give them a look. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, but anyways, we got a great show for you tonight. I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I've spent a lot. I spent a lot of time around this guest uh, over the the last four years, traveling around to conventions. We ended up at most of the same conventions. In fact, one uh, time I got to spend two full weeks almost on a bus with this uh, man. And and while he kind of used me like his bus driver, he also treated me like a friend too. Uh, he is the host of Adam vs. the Man. He is Adam Kokesh. How are we doing today, sir? <laughs> Adam, Adam's got I wore this hair. <laughs> I threw my hair out just for this interview just so I could live up to Todd Lobs' off awesome graphics. Actually, this is this is my bedhead now, believe it or not. You just wake uh, up looking I know this like is that? like the goof to start the interview, but I, I feel I can't like I can do the Wolverine hair, but if I smile, it looks good. Cool. Like it looks crazy. Like and the thing is, I, I am blessed now with just like sculptable Jufro. Like look at this. I could do I could do troll hair. I could I could even do like a faux hawk. This is just this is no product. This is this is like the blessings of being half Jewish and half German, I guess, which means I'm genetically programmed to hate myself. But no, for the sake of for the sake of professionalism, Josh, we'll uh, we'll, we'll put this back in like a uh, a man bun, founding style ponytail. Is that is that what you would call this? We'll just call it a man yeah. bun these, these days, I think, bud. Like I can do it up. You only do it up. We do like samurai style ponytail. Yes, yes, absolutely, and it goes great with the boog shirt, of course. Oh, of course, yes, definitely representing the boog deliberately today. I think I'm the I'm the only person I know who named a business in honor of the boogaloo movement. It's my my big igloo geodesics. At uh, yeah, big igloo geodesics. Get it? It's, uh, we make it in. Yeah, I could do the samurai top knot. Is that? Is that more professional? Yeah, and it's great. You can do that kind of stuff when you're not running for president anymore, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm, uh, I'm running. I, I'm king now. I'm already. I mean, why? It's it's almost like a silly proposition. I mean, if I was running for president, I would run on the platform of like just getting rid of the whole goddamn thing. But you know, I mean, I'm I'm already king in my my homestead, Gardenia. I, I'm ten acres off grid, sovereign, and the most beautiful 
one of the freest places in America. And it's, uh, I love it. I love it. So we're, we're actually, we're traveling right now. This is, this is Vegas hotel wallpaper, but no, good lighting. Good, good. It is good. Like I, you know, I, I, I very sad. I have not gotten the chance to make it out to Gardenia yet. Uh, I, I was really, I, I am looking forward to eventually making it to your sovereign state of Gardenia. Uh, but I have not had the, the, well, the chance yet, unfortunately. Well, Josh, if I may, I'd like to take this opportunity to expend, extend a special invitation. Uh, we just raised our seed funding for a new veterans nonprofit called Homefront Battle Buddies. And according to our paperwork or something, our mission statement is to create a community of veterans to help each other pursue alternative healing therapies and transition to civilian life through online organizing and in-person retreats. To put it crudely, we're getting veterans stoned in the woods so that we can ensure we are the last generation of combat that the world ever knows. And what we're developing as a as a 501c3, we're we're the facilitator organization. So we can maintain, you know, federal compliance, blah, 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 and, and just be a facilitator that's not just for cannabis, but everything that we can bring together as resources at these retreats. And what we're putting together is a way to do uh, a one-week retreat that with a group of veterans who have a similar experience with you or are grouped in a certain way, we want to do uh, 20 person groups, gender balanced uh, with segregated women, but you know, gender to, to meet the need as, as demand uh, is, uh, dictates we will accommodate. Uh, so it's definitely something that we want to make especially available in that same format for women, veterans, for survivors of military sexual trauma, especially. And we are, we are almost ready. We're like a month out from our first actual trial retreat. And I would really love for you to be one of our first 10 guys through the program and, and help develop the feedback for what we're hoping to do is develop this into a national program with maybe 10 regional centers with four camps each. So we can make sure that every veteran, every guy who's getting out of the military today, no matter what their status, if you're getting out, if you need a week off, you need a, a chance to transition, for a lot of dudes, and and you know, uh, one of our board members is Jacob Vandenplass, currently the uh, Wisconsin LP chair and candidate for Congress there, National Guard combat vet himself. And he said, you know, he, he was suicidal when someone handed him a joint and it saved his life. And we are, uh, while it, it feels to us like libertarians in many ways, like you say, is we legal in the United States? You'd be like, yeah, mostly. But a lot of dudes uh, getting out, especially you know, just need to get away from wife and kids and job or whatever it is that they're struggling with transitioning to have that safe space to experiment with whatever alternative healing therapies that they want to get into. And so we want to facilitate that. And uh, I, I know we'll talk about this more off the air for the details. We don't even have a time set for this, but we got a, you know, we got an awesome facility. We got a, a, an incredible team coming together around this. And uh, I'm really excited. So home from battle buddies. And uh, I hope that's the first time you get to visit Gardenia. Nice dude. Yeah. That's awesome. I, and so you are going to do the retreats at, at your, on your land. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's, uh, I, I mean, you, you know, this from traveling the country and, and talking to veterans and, and especially the veterans community in the libertarian party. There's a lot of guys who are, uh, you know, sort of doing okay and too proud to ask for help and just need a little chance to connect with the community of veterans to you know tap those benefits get that money out of government's hands 
you know, whatever it is to take advantage, you know, play that card. If you put into the system, get out what you've earned. And this is a really unique thing that we can do when at the VA, because it's a federal institution, they still have to be like, well, I can't tell you to smoke weed, but you know, uh, you know, juice, well, let me tell you about that. And it's like, really? But there's so much more, you know, you get into psilocybin, mushroom therapy, MDMA, talk therapy, but even just planning your life, getting out of the military, we still have 22 veteran suicides a day. And it's because a lot of guys are incentivized to turn to pharmaceuticals to keep their, you know, corporate, whatever, drug tested jobs or to, to, you know, alcohol and just empowering them. We can save a generation of vets and empower them to be engaged. And I don't want to say that this is ideologically uh, oriented because it's totally not in and of itself. It's a non-political 501c3. Hey, if we can help people pay less in taxes and empower veterans this way. But Josh, you know as well as I do, who are the underrepresented voices in the veterans community? It's not the Pete motherfucking Hexess or the Dakota fucking Myers, liars, those kinds of asshole pro-militarist propagandists. It's the guys who have a painful experience and right now are drinking themselves to death and going, you know, like there's got to be a better way. And, and, and I think for libertarians, if we're going to have a role in the veterans community saying, hey, guys, we're going to help you work work around government. You know, we're going to help you get what you really need. It's it's long overdue. Sure, sure. Yeah. And it's it's really it's really funny because the the SJW movement, right, this the woke movement, they're always out uh, advocating and protesting in favor of these protected groups. It's always these protected groups. But the the one group that that America has let down probably the most are our veterans and they, they, no, they never ever ever talk about it and and you bring up the, the interesting number that i don't think a lot of people understand 22 a day i mean 22 military veterans commit suicide a day every day yeah and, and on that about that number it came down to just 20 a few years ago and that was like a big deal and i can't but 22 is still considered the touchstone number because that's always been undercounted and you remember being on active duty how many guys are there just out being reckless young dudes, you know, drunk driving, drunk, drunk on a motorcycle? I wrecked, I wrecked four motorcycles sure. oh, while yeah. I was in the military. Very, very common thing. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it, 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 when guys are driven to that kind of or, or they're they're heavily depressed, they're medicated by the VA, they go out and drink and drive recklessly. You know, there's a lot of stuff like that where you go, ah, that number, and, and even in a lot of just like base statistical ways, that number is really an undercount. And you think about that, like who, like just, just whether you're, I mean, for, for libertarians, we should be like, you know, salivating at the opportunity to take this chunk of the warrior class that's ready to revolt against the man and say, we're going to empower you to live better. And we're going to use the man system against them to bring these resources together to make sure that every veteran has this opportunity. It's like I said, it's not the pro war guys. The guys who are committing suicide are the ones who had really fucked up experiences in the military. The ones who are committing suicide are the ones who are in Hamdaniya and Haditha and Abu Ghraib and all the horrific spots that you hear about in the news, like Fallujah where I was. And, you know, I, although I'm fucking old now, man, yeah. I feel like we're I both old, buddy. T-shirt. 
like uh you know medieval armor on it and it says if your 782 gear doesn't look like this you ain't old core <laughs> you know like as I was, I was in combat in 2004 and you know i know you've been out for a while 17 years for me well no, i'm sorry i've been out since 2006 2004 was my my combat deployment but there's so many guys you know and and ladies in the minority there but still an important presence you know who have come out since then who are still struggling and whether you're a libertarian or not to say hey the, the, those voices should be heard instead of driven to suicide i think that's a pretty simple thing we can agree on but then you go as like as an anti-war activist as someone who realized that the war is the health of the state whatever your ideology you go the the, the warfare state the military industrial complex it, it depends on the government being able to lie to the young, physically capable, best and brightest, most gullible among us who can go out and do this. But these are people who are willing to be warriors and are perverted by these lies into being soldiers instead of people who are righteously standing up for justice and protecting the undefendable or those who, who not the, I'm thinking of the Walter Block, you know, defending the undefendable. Yeah. Uh, but no, those who cannot defend themselves, right? Uh, there is a huge chunk of society of, of warriors who who are willing and ready to do that and put their lives on the line for militarism because they were misled away from that ideal of being an, an actual, just, honest warrior to being a soldier. And a soldier, as opposed to a warrior, is someone who kills for politicians right. or gets paid to kill for politicians or to help kill for politicians to be a part of the warfare machine and it's not about justice anybody who has any sense of american history or military history knows that you know christian just war concept in practice is a myth because wars are are where poor men die to line rich men's pockets and that has always been the case sure and you bring up a really important subject there so you know i've been i've been in this movement now heavily since 2008 when i worked on ron paul's campaign um, I actually was on the U.S. So we had a different experience in the military. I wasn't in combat per se. I was on I was on the USS Constellation. Uh, so we were the biggest battle group in the Shock and Awe campaign in 2002, 2003, 2002. Um, so I was over there. You were in. You went to Afghanistan, right, or, or uh, uh, Iraq, and then um, right Fallujah. And so uh, my my experience was different. But I still when I got out of the military. That's what made me a libertarian. I mean, I, I started with the anti-war because I'm going, first of all, I'm going, what the fuck are we doing in Iraq, right? I'm like, I'm like wait a minute. I, I joined right after 9-11, right? I'm going to go protect my country from these terrible terrorists that have attacked my countrymen. Uh, <laughs> they were Saudi nationals via Pakistan or some shit, right? And now I'm in, and I'm, I'm in the Gulf fighting Iraq, dropping uh, uh, my, my carrier dropped 1.7 million tons of ordnance on Baghdad. I mean, that's just horrendous to think about think about that happening yeah directly and so when i got home i was i was very anti-war but i didn't have a i didn't really know what to do and i was i had a lot of anxiety i still to this day battle like terrible terrible anxiety and a lot of that shit started after that you know um anybody goes through that experience i don't like the whole brainwashing analogy but there is a, a propagandization and and a, a real perversion of noble motives and self-grounding and that 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 warrior spirit that even that divine masculine or that just divine human and so again applying to women as well when you go through that military experience 
that self-driven initiative is taken out of you and replaced with instant and unthinking obedience to orders. Sure. Well, and so, so the, the point I was trying to make here is since, since I've been out of the military as a veteran, the most staunch advocates for liberty that I have seen, that I have met, came from the Ron Paul campaign. They were, they were vets. To, to today, which are people like Shane Hazel, who was a hardcore, did hardcore shit, was very, very battle-tested, and, and now he's a, an advocate against the warfare state. He's an advocate against the military-industrial complex. He's an advocate against the murder cult. And those are the people who work yeah. the hardest. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and I hate to say that the libertarian movement needs us as veterans, because it's not true, but we are an underutilized tool for the people who are statists who need that certain appeal to authority. You know, um, how many veterans does it take to screw in a light bulb, Josh? You wouldn't know, you weren't there, man. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, 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 as libertarians, it is inherently repugnant to us to make any kind of appeals to authority as opposed to appeals to logic and reason and evidence, right? Uh, but to those people who need that gateway, fucking use us. And we are a hugely underutilized tool within the libertarian movement. Uh, we are the, the libertarian party. We're the only anywhere near party who can claim to be anti-war, uh, even, even pro-veteran. I mean, even for libertarians who say like, you know, let's just demilitarize the whole thing. Like uh, the the old, the, at least there's not this massive contradiction of militarism of support the troops, use them up like toilet paper. You know, and it's like ah, uh, uh, so there's there's a really great opportunity there, and I, we're going through an, an amazing transition period for humanity right now around COVID. And there are a lot of silver linings, but separate from the whole negativity of the COVID narrative is the George Floyd and the end of the drug war. And those are, those are sort of two separate narratives that I identify right now as really massive dynamics that libertarians should be, I mean, we should be screaming in the streets, celebrating, like, look, this is, this is amazing. You know, we are, we are, I think, you know, as Winston Churchill might've said, we are, we are transitioning from the end of the beginning of the end of the war on drugs to the beginning of the middle of the end of the right. war on drugs. Right. And I, I mean, it's, it's amazing that, 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 you know, we, we, there's, there's a shift in consciousness coming associated with this. It's not when like people like me can smoke pot and not go to jail. It's when uh, the, the people who really thought it was some devil's lettuce can now come out and be like, Oh, no big deal. Oh, it's healthier than alcohol. Oh, it's, it's a positive health thing overall to use cannabis intelligently and, and conscientiously. But then the, the George Floyd, I think, was a catalyst. The whole episode around George Floyd was a catalyst for uh, an accelerated debrutalization of the police state, more driven by technology, by the Internet and cell phones than, than, than George Floyd. But it was a long overdue shift to debrutalization of the police state. And I, I mean, I can feel it now. Like it is almost viscerally when, when like here in Vegas, you know, seeing cops and, and uh, I drive without a license or registration with my vehicle, no tags, you know, so I am, I, that, that's my daily civil disobedience. Um, and I, it's, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm always sort of cognizant. And, and I think as libertarians, we are too, of where is that threat of violence behind the state? Their grip is slipping right now. 
it's a very exciting to be t- time to be alive. Like humanity is going through this, you know, accelerated. Uh, I, I like to say it's the asymptote, you know, of the human experience, that the, the, the hockey stick of the acceleration of technology and human productivity and all of these things culminating. And it's like libertarians, this this is might be the the approach of the libertarian moment where we get to just finally push over the state as we know it and say coercive government is no longer a thing that humanity will tolerate. Sorry. It's it's no, we're we're here. We are a global human family connected by the internet, by modern technology. You can't convince us to divert this massive amount of resources. And that's, you know, at this point in history, You might be able to say that more people die, as in through economic hardship, diversion of economic resources to support the military industrial complexes of the world than through violent conflict itself. It's it's more of an economic crime than a violent crime already. And that's that's exciting. We've, We've lessened what they can get away with with militarism. And it's this last thing. Let's tell governments as 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 a whole human family no nuclear weapons massive militaries to kill and destroy and conquer and dominate no we're not putting up with that anymore that's not part of humanity sorry we're not falling for this militarism bullshit anymore because it's always been a racket and you know me me and you we've talked about this you know wars a racket smedley butler going over their history if you don't know the name smedley butler uh you know, look it up but Definitely. uh the general who wrote the book uh, marine corps major general two medals of honor blah 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 wrote the book war is a racket if you haven't read it it's very short you can download it online check it out it's an exciting i mean i've my entire life i've said it's an exciting time to be a libertarian but there have been you know comes coming there's been coming and going of that energy like you know around ron paul 2008 2012 but I, I feel it coming again at a deeper level. It's not like, oh, people are paying attention. It's no, it's like the ground is 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 shifting under government's feet. Sure, sure. So I, I want to shift a little bit back to the retreats that you're getting ready to hold. Um, in 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 the, the, you know the the last few years, I I noticed that you've become kind of big on these ayahuasca retreats. Um, you t- talked about them quite a bit, right? Yeah, well, I I did. I went through a phase with ayahuasca myself, uh, where I where I, I feel like I got a good experience. Uh, DMT, which is the you know the active compound sure. in ayahuasca, if you take ayahuasca through drinking like a tea, and you're taking it with uh, a set of uh, of other compounds that allow you to absorb it through digestion and get excuse me the DMT psychedelic experience expanded over several hours at least. Whereas if you smoke it as a vapor and it's usually in a, in a glass pipe kind of thing, or they can do it in a vape pen now, it's amazing. You don't have the physiological burden of consuming ayahuasca. And I'm, I'm actually, I, I, as much as I'm a fan and like, yeah, everybody should have the chance to explore this. And I value the experience and I, and I want to make it available for vets as well and eventually bring those resources in. I think there's so much potential not even realized around cannabis yet like let's just get that to every veteran in america first but on that next level when and and we're going to be doing this with the retreats when it comes when when we create this safe environment yes we we eventually want to incorporate ayahuasca ceremonies there are a lot more involved uh you know you you have to prep diet wise you it's, it's it's a long experience and it's challenging and that's good like that's a part of the benefit but i think the better bang for the buck in in psychedelics is probably going to come from psilocybin and in pharmaceuticals from MDMA and ketamine, and I and from what I and and, and that's just because 
of the the logistical and uh, biophysical burden that go along with ayahuasca. So I'm 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 personally really excited about can or excuse me about psilocybin mushrooms yeah. becoming quasi legal right now. I mean we're really like on the verge of practical legality. Like the experience that we went through with cannabis over the last 20 years is about to happen with mushrooms in like three to five years. Right. And maybe that's a little optimistic, but it's, it's definitely going to be on a much shorter timeline. And ketamine and uh, an MDMA for, for therapy have, have had incredible success among vets. So with where we are, I feel like what we're doing with Homefront Battle Buddies and these retreats is kind of plugging a gap and catching up because right now there's the demand, there's the quasi-legalization, there's enough uh, scientific understanding to be done safely uh, that we want to take it to the next level of mass distribution. I want to be a really big drug dealer. I want to get them out to as many. You know, this is obviously all through charity. And and the thing about mushrooms too. Here's the other thing. And I'll uh, do, does anybody in your audience smoke pot, Josh? Uh, that it, maybe one or two, buddy. Maybe maybe one or two pot smokers. Yeah. Okay. So then you might understand what I'm talking about when I say that the real price of weed should be a lot lower than it is today. When you think about like average ounce, and this is, this is because all you motherfuckers who got stimulus checks went out and spent it on pot, the prices went up all over the country. And this is, I'm not making that shit up. That was their statistics to back me up on that. Um, you could see like cannabis sales surging like right after the checks hit. Uh, but the average retail price of, of an ounce of cannabis in the US is you know somewhere around 200 $250. And if you think about it, like this, this is a really cool way of applying you know libertarian economic understanding to be like, well, what what should it cost? How much of that cost is taxation, regulation? And we talk about like unseen costs. How many people were wanting to invest in cannabis and couldn't put in millions or tens of millions or organize the investment efforts to make that happen because of uncertainty? They just didn't know, like states are changing all the time. And so that's why you saw like in California, I know you used to live in California, the bodega style dispensaries. And you're like, why are they all these cheap little back alley joints? And it's, it's because of that. And so with, with mushrooms right now, the average price of an ounce on the street is again, somewhere like $200, but the, oh, sorry, cannabis. So like, what should it actually be like to, in terms of, the economic resources that go into create an ounce of cannabis, you know, you go, well, right away, it's, it's gotta be down like 90%. It should be, you know, $20, $30 an ounce. It's not that when it's grown efficiently without having to manage the compliance bullshit of state legal, federal illegal. Can I bank here? Can I bank there? Oh, and don't forget All about the, the don't forget about the thirty seven percent excise tax that's posted right on on the on the <laughs> yeah, you know yeah like they're not yeah they don't even hide like there's a pretty obvious scene cost you just take care of that and it goes way down. But here's the crazy thing with mushrooms, and this is true about a lot of these and why pharmaceutical companies have pushed so hard to keep these good natural or unpatentable pharmaceutical compounds uh, illegal is because they're extremely cheap and effective. You think about an ounce of mushrooms right now, the street cost is, is about you know $200 an ounce. The actual marginal cost of producing an ounce of mushrooms 
should be pretty close to what it is for food mushrooms, you know, <laughs> like a or two. And you're going to pay more for packaging and delivery and strain curation and testing of your mushrooms than the actual mushrooms themselves. They are that freaking cheap. Same thing with MDMA. Even when, when we see it produced illegally and the Silk Road, major boon to this. And I and I want to I want to say you're welcome to everybody who's sitting on $50,000 Bitcoins right now that I spent on the Silk Road when they were worth $5 each. They, they, you know, that's like they, this is, we are on the verge of all of this being uh, so readily available that we are going to evolve past all of these prior tra generationally entrenched traumas that lead us to, to statism, that, that this manifestation of all of our fears and insecurities, you know, and, and just, this, this massive productivity, if you think of all of the wealth that has gone to feed the military industrial complex just in the United States, if that was actually given back to the people, how wealthy would we all be right now? You know, we, we wouldn't be all like most Americans are silly. That are Well, now it's like, do, do I get a nine to five or do I live off the stimulus checks? Right, right? Right. I mean, you see this right in the headlines. Fast food joints are running out of ingredients. And they're running out of employees to hire because no one wants to work for minimum wage anymore because welfare, the welfare state is like, yeah, we got you. Go work under the table, right? Uh, they don't actually say that, but that's that. Libertarians know that's the incentive message there. And just what we're on the verge of with all of this, you know, I, I think of what's been stolen from us by statism. And if you even just quantify the waste of militarism, you know, a government, this is why we can't have nice things, kids. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com. Com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Uh, let's let's do something about it. And and Josh, as you know, uh, militarism is really the underpinning of that. That was a good question about ayahuasca. Let's talk about ayahuasca. Yeah, no, I was so well because because I knew that you had been in some of those retreats, so I was just wondering if they had uh, influenced you at all when it comes to the, the the retreats for vets and stuff like that because that's you know they are a process they are a big it is a big deal to go do an ayahuasca retreat or ceremony I mean it's it's I know that it's not an easy thing to do um, I have not done an actual retreat I have uh, smoked DMT and it was life changing I mean absolutely one hundred percent but it it wasn't an ayahuasca retreat so I I just was wondering how much uh, that had an effect on you, you know, doing this this new um, retreat style thing for vets with uh, alternative therapies. <laughs> well, Josh, let me put it like this. For people who have known me as an activist since I got active with Iraq Veterans Against the War in 2007, know that I've gone from a groundless, pissed off veteran ready to go, you know, stab Dick Cheney in the throat to, you know, a little more, a little more grounded, a little more peaceful, you know, over Somewhat, the years. Yeah. 
a lot more capable in my activism. You know, and I was I was very fortunate, uh, I would say blessed by circumstance and opportunity to to become a major public figure as an anti-war activist before I knew what I was doing as an activist and you know how to connect with people at, at a more human level. Because we have to find that. And this is you know one of our our great challenges as libertarians is taking this you know this intellectual thing that we figured out with absolute moral certainty and economical analyses to back it up to go to connect with humans who are who are more driven emotionally and and really you know at, at a humane level uh to, to reach them and and that transformation that i've gone through i mean i was i i was like very fortunate i got out of the marine corps november 30 2006 march 19 2007 i was marching you know and and pretend uniform for a pretend combat patrol through the capital washington dc and ended up on the front page of the washington post style section i don't know if there's a weird thing uh, but became a national public figure around like my first major protest action as an anti-war activist and so even with that even with the expo like i was hanging out with medea benjamin and you know all the big pinko communists with code pink and you know uh answer the act now stop war and racism coalition and all, all the greatest hippies of the Iraq anti-war movement. And I still, st it still took me, you know, 10 years at least to go to the process, to go through this process where I, I'm, I'm still not done with it, you know, and it's been through cannabis therapy. It's been through talk therapy. It's been through working with other veterans. It's been through having my voice heard as an activist and being able to do penance through activism for the war crimes that I was a party to, for the things that I directly did in Iraq, you know, guarding detainees that crossed that line of torture. And so I was able to be a much more, a, a much more effective activist than I deserved to be sooner than I was, let's put it that way. And what I want to do with this is, is I think, take veterans who are getting out today or have been out a couple of years and take them through what was a decades long process for me, in a week-long retreat. No, it's, it's, it's a little optimistic. Um, but at least give them the tools to be on that path in a much more accelerated way for themselves. And and, and I look back at my, my my own story and that evolution of, of the last decade, and and I go, fuck, man, it, that, it shouldn't have taken that long. It's kind of embarrassing, actually. Mm -hmm. And and that was someone, uh, you know, like you. Uh, how old are you, Josh? I'm 38. I mean, I know you're about 38. We're almost, we're almost the same. Yeah, we're kind of like, you know, the older brothers of uh, the global war on terror generation of veterans. True. And but we've found out the hard way. It's time to give them the easy way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it, it, we're close to the same age. Uh, we served the same time, basically. Um, and uh, all right. Well, we're, we're trying to be mainstream. Oh, well, I, so so I uh, I actually and you've told me that I'm wrong about this. But I you know, when I. When I became anti-war, after I got out of the military, I became anti-war. I mean, I knew I was anti-war. I knew I, I knew that the warfare state was wrong, but I didn't know anybody. And I credit you as one of the activists who, one of the first anti-war activists that I ever saw uh, that was, and back then you were giving very loud, very yelling speeches. <laughs> those guys too we need we need more adam kokesh's and josh smith's of today but we still need some like 2007 2008 adam kokesh's 
to to be the angry veterans out front. And, and you were angry, <laughs> but you were also doing this really cool civil disobedience thing, uh, which was that was how I found you. Were the videos, the the uh, dancing at the Jeffersonian uh, Memorial, that kind of stuff. That's awesome stuff, and that's I think, in my opinion, that's what propelled you to where you are. Was the that civil disobedience that we're not going to do what you tell us to do, and you can drag me out of this monument. You know, on my knees, but I'm still gonna dance at a monument. Um, but but then I, I I credit you falsely, I guess. Gosh, well, while you're on the dance party thing, I got to give you a quick uh, note of historical perspective. Today is June 4. It is the 10th anniversary of the second Jefferson dance party when we went back a year later with hundreds of people and say, "Fuck you, we're gonna dance here anyway." <laughs> and and every everybody got away with dancing. And we we successfully changed the dancing enforcement policy of the Jefferson Monument. But that was 10 years ago today. And I'm, I'm you know, I, I hope I'm not bragging too much and thinking that I'm responsible for at least a footnote in the history of the libertarian movement. But a lot of people do credit that uh, as, as having been a major moment for them, seeing me body slammed for dancing at the Jefferson to cause them to to start their path of, uh, of, of libertarian awakening. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I woke up a lot of people. You really, I mean, your following has been very, very big. And and uh, but I, I credit you falsely. You tell me it's falsely, but I credit you for me uh, learning about the Libertarian Party. So I found you before I found Murray Rothbard. I found you before I found Hayek and Milton Friedman and all this stuff. I I was watching you. I mean, I, I was, you know. And then and Ron Paul, of course, as well. That was, you know, if it wasn't for Ron Paul, I don't know where I'd be today. But um. And I'm sure you're the same way. I'm sure most of us are the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, it's it's been a long time. It's been a really long time, man, which is kind of cool to think about. Um, but fast forward 10 years. Libertarians now. Yeah. <laughs> God, these young guys look up to us. We're like the we're like the old men gatekeepers now. That's unfortunate. Unfortunate. Um, no, but so here's the thing. Fast forward. Wait, hold on, Josh. In politics, we're kind of like the lost generation. Sure. You know, it's like it's it's older dudes getting young people to work for them, right? It's there's, there's we're we're in this kind of in between point, but there's a very important role, especially in the libertarian movement. I think for our generation of veterans right now. Sure. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. Because we're all we're all getting ready to turn forty. I mean, all the guys who joined after nine eleven, we're, we're oh yeah, yeah, yep. California party swag, baby. So uh, we're we're getting close. We're getting close to being forty. Um, and uh, in twenty twenty, you were running for president. You know, which I thought was kind of a cool flash forward. I, you know, I got to hang out with you a lot in twenty seventeen because you started that campaign really early. And uh, and like I said in the beginning, I actually got to spend two weeks on your bus. So I flew into the Ohio State Convention. I didn't get a return flight. Uh, we did that convention overnight. The next day, you and I and um, uh, yeah, you and I. And who else was it? Uh, what's what's his name from Rhode Island? Your buddy, Elijah, Elijah. Gitarelli. Yes. He's so an Army veteran and board member for Homefront Battle Buddy, and is is planning on managing our campaign again. Lo- love Elijah, one of the funniest guys I've ever met. So we drove to we drove overnight to North Carolina. We did the North Carolina convention. Then uh, we stayed the night in West Virginia in the bus on the way to Kentucky, and then we went to Kentucky we stayed one or two nights in Kentucky and then we went to Indiana and we ended up at a wonderful place called Lothlorien in the middle of the rural forest uh, of Indiana at a place called Elf Fest 
And uh, it was a wild time, man. And uh, so at the- if I was running for office again, I would be uh, I would be ready to admit right now that Josh and I have shared a psilocybin induced cuddle puddle. But I'm I'm never going to talk about that publicly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not looking for office, and even if I did, I don't care. Uh, we ate some we ate some some psilocybin chocolates, which were pretty wild, and uh, there was a, a thunderdome, as I was calling it, but was really this big. What are those things called, man? Geodesic dome, like the kind right. we make. Yeah, the geo geodesic. That's the word I was looking for. So this big dome that was made out of bars, and it was a sand pit with a fire pit in the middle, and there were people with elf ears elves everywhere they had uh they were half naked and they were playing drum circles and and they yeah, were I was just you're the only ones there i don't know what you're talking about yeah and there was like there was this uh the the, the definitely like a communist error going through everybody was very communist and we're on a libertarian tour and adam is handing out this book called freedom that he wrote uh, while he was in jail, right? You wrote you wrote uh, Freedom while you're in jail. I can't say barely wrote it when I was in jail, but certainly started it in jail. Was inspired by that experience. Yeah, and so um, so we so I, we spent the night at Elf Fest handing out libertarian books that Adam Kokesh had written to uh, people high on psilocybin that were obvious communists, and it was the one of the most beautiful things. <laughs> To be fair, they were the good kind of communists. They were like the hippie, free love, voluntarist communists. Yeah, they definitely weren't tankies of of any sort. <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, man, it was like one of the most beautiful experiences I had ever had. I was just like, wow, this is really cool. And there were like families there. And there were like, I mean, it was just like, it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't like I thought it was going to be. I was. Adam's like, dude, come with us. We're going to go to Elf Fest. We're going to meet up with Marcus. We're going to go to Elf Fest. And I'm like, Elf Fest? Huh? That uh, That's a little scary, buddy. Okay, cool. Let's go. And, I, you know, I enjoyed it. You can't tell this story without giving appropriate credit to our uh, press secretary from Indiana, Marcus Pulis, who was a member of the Lothlorian community and got us out there. And an awesome activist is doing a great job. And, and it's uh, it, you know, it's funny how historically the libertarian movement has had this kind of existential crisis between like wanting to kiss ass and put on a suit and tie and be like, no, look at who we are. Like the first people to question the system aren't the captains of the football teams and heads of the cheerleading squads were the outcasts and the misfits and those who have who have not been raised up by the status quo, uh, but just just as you mentioned Thunderdomes, I got to point out one of the exciting things we get to do now with Homefront Battle Buddies is pugil sticks, oh. and we are going to actually make a Thunderdome for pugil stick fights. And for the people, you know, you know, you see the, the, the Marine Corps, it's like you know, two padded. Have you ever seen like American gladiators, right, where they try to knock each other off the uh, the posts? So we're it's it's a really fun full body like combat challenge experience with almost zero injury risk because you know you're padded you're wearing helmets and things like that but we're going to do it in an actual thunderdome that you can climb and like watch the fights from above and we're gonna yeah there's there's we live off grid and this is we have we have about creating this safe space for veterans and and you know what i I'll, i'll tell you one of my little fantasies with this organization is that when Homefront Battle Buddies is successful, there's going to be a sister organization for former law enforcement. 
and creating that space that, yeah, you see, you see where this is going, right? Yes. We're creating that space uh, and, and, and experimenting with how do we practically apply these, these substances, these drugs that we were scared about our entire lives in a conscientious, healthy way, in a practical application. Well, shit, let's start with vets. There's a need, there's an opportunity. There's a great chance to raise money for a lot, you know, from a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the, the corporate, uh, uh, sources that funded things like the wounded warrior project before they had their executive salary scandal. Um, you know, when we've taken appropriate precautions that are built into our bylaws and no one is ever going to take anywhere near a million dollars out of this organization. So very efficient getting that money to host these retreats. And it's not that much. And you think it's, that's kind of the the beauty of this. Um, uh, wounded warriors project raised, $393 $393 million in their best year before this, before this, right before the scandal hit. And we looked at, you know, what we want to do in making these services. And by the way, a couple adjunct services to the retreats with Homefront Battle Buddies, benefits counseling. There isn't an 800 number that a veteran can call and get comprehensive guidance uh, on all the benefits available to you as a veteran right now. You can call it disabled American veterans as great as a third party dealing with the VA. The VA is great with the home loans and certain specific programs. But as far as I know, there's no one you can call and just be like, run me down everything, veteran, civilian, how it all fits together. What are my opportunities? You know, how do I get as much as I can out of the system? So benefits counseling and uh, writing therapy field work. So the WTF program, we plan to launch on 9-11 this year, the 20th anniversary. You know, it's about time uh, we tell the stories truthfully. And so we want to empower veterans again with a writing project and a publishing uh, system where we can act as the publisher for veterans. My Met War memoir, I've never released, uh, but I wrote it uh, in 2005, the year you know I got back and it was hugely therapeutic for me. So we want to provide a publishing platform for books, for veterans, for everything from, I guess, tweets, up, you know, down, down to tweets, up to books is the, the range. Yeah, everything along the way for veterans to be empowered directly to tell their stories with this nonprofit. And so we're going to be using my book as, as uh, a way to launch this this writing program. And Josh, maybe you'll join us one day for a veterans author book tour to raise money to get vet stone in the woods. Sounds like a pretty cool yeah. plan. Right? Hey, I, I think it's a great idea to get vet stone in the woods. I don't think there's a lot of things that, that are better for vets. I really don't. I, I think it's a great idea, man. Just to finish this one point, $393 million in a year Wounded Warrior Project. For Homefront Battle Buddies, our dream budget to make these services available to every veteran in America with 10 regional centers, $44 million a year. And that would be excessive. That's over the top. That's like our, our fantasy budget for this organization. And we don't plan on doing this forever. We, we We want to do this for like 20, 30 years and be like, nah, now we're done. Like that was it. That was all that was needed. Sure. And and I think if you do it right. And and if if within the next year we get to that level, we're able to grow to to even a fraction of that uh, level that, that that I'm envisioning. It's it's really going to start taking a big bite out of militarism. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, if if you can get all the um, mentally burdened veterans in this country to stabilize and 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 um basically weaponize their experience against the warfare state it's over yeah there's just no doubt about it there's too many of us uh for it to not happen but um yeah i think i think what you're doing is great i did want to talk about one more story on that bus 
I want just one. I want to ask. I want to ask how your cholesterol is doing these days, buddy. Because we stopped at a Waffle House, and Adam didn't use the butter at the Waffle House. He brought a stick of butter in his own stick of butter into the Waffle House, and 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 he didn't use a little bit of the butter. He put the entire <laughs> stick of butter on his waffles. The entire stick. I want to reiterate: an entire stick of butter on one waffle. The man, I, I don't know what's going on with your cholesterol levels, but I just want to make sure you're doing okay these days, bud. Do, do I need to do like an abs reveal here? No, man, I'm doing great. I, you know, um, butter and even like, it, it, it's one of these weird things. Uh, and I had, I had a bit of a fetish for butter for a while that was somewhat regrettable. Uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, I, I think, I think the unhealthier part of that meal was the waffles, Probably. not the butter. <laughs> And I, I, I'm Waffle House Caucus all the way, but I'm the bring your own butter sex segment. I mean, there's a, there are factions within the Waffle House Caucus, and I'm I'm definitely not the like house butter, whatever those crazy fuckers. No, bring your own butter. Um, and I'm also of the Vermin Supreme props up his boot with artificial stiffening using a Waffle House menu. So uh, there, there's some there's a lot more to the Waffle House Caucus than meets the eye. Uh, but no, I, one of the one of the greatest gifts of being libertarian is the, the 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 just immediate material benefits that come from thinking from yourself. And there's a lot of that when it comes to health consciousness. And I talk about this a lot on my show. You know, I'm live two hours a day, five days a week, so we got to talk about something more than all the shitty things in the in the news. And I I talk a lot about Fridays. We do good news Fridays, and it's all fun. Like, but um, thinking for yourself like and this is a line from like scott pilgrim versus the world where someone's like you can't eat all that bread it's gonna make you fat he's like what bread carbs make you fat not fat and it's like yeah this is it's a weird thing that we're still like getting out of the food habits of as a country having been perverted by the food pyramid from the fda from the 80s that had carbs and grain as the big base and and that really fucked up americans metabolisms for you know since then and I think now people are realizing this, you know, and I'm, uh, you know, consumer choice, vegetarian, vegan-ish, um, not, not, uh, I'm strict about not purchasing or paying myself for, for any meat. And I've been, I've been pretty, it's my expression of extending the nap to animals. Um, but figuring out what works for yourself, you know, like I went keto for a while, low carb and, you know, like that felt better than the carb diet. But uh, being able to just think for yourself without the expectations of the others. And if I may turn this to the bigger point, sure. um, you know, as libertarians, we're all too cool for the herd. So we step out of the herd and then we find ourselves in the libertarian herd and we're like, shit, I traded one herd for another. Screw this. I can't be a libertarian. I'm a geo-libertarian or a neo-libertarian or a paleo-libertarian or a left or a right or a this or that or whatever. And it's like, can't we all just be libertarians or just and, and, and when you. We, we all have to come up with our there you know we have a label for people who don't like labels and we're just going to call you all libertarians whether you like it or not uh but it, homesteading for me is is a major expression of this and 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 an essential part of the human experience to be able to say i am going to design because it's not just as i'm going to buy bare land and build a house and be self-sustainable and live off grid it's i am going to design my life from the ground up, free of expectations of others, aware of all the social pressures, aware of all the artificial incentives, aware of all the ways 
that authority would rather gently and not so gently shepherd me to be a cog in the machine and say, no, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value, you know, and, and it doesn't mean you have to get mad because getting mad is still reactionary. It's like that John Lennon quote, you know, the, 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 the man will do whatever it takes to make you angry, flick your face, pull your beard, because once they've got you angry and violent, they know how to deal with you. The one thing they can't handle is nonviolence and humor. And I know it's grammatically incorrect to say the one thing they can't handle is nonviolence and humor, but that's how John Lennon said it, and that's how I'm going to repeat it. So that that being able to internalize that, you know, and, and I, I've always been an advocate for us as libertarians to, to, to really stop and get in touch with those deeper things that we have gotten in our lives and that, that have enriched our lives as a result of being libertarian. And instead of arguing with people, share that. That's, that's so much more powerful and and and. Just connecting with people to say, hey, this has made my life better. You want to consider it? I want you look, look at how awesome my life is. I want you to have this, too. And, you know, I'm going to plug my uh, my Instagram for Gardenia for the Garden of Freedom. We have a really fun gallery. We are we have an explosion of fur babies there right now. We got two new puppies. We got Marilyn um, and uh, we, we've got what eight kittens with another litter on the way. And these are the scorpion cats of Gardenia. Bear in mind, because. We have video of the matriarch of this particular genetic strain catching and eating a scorpion alive. Oh, so, geez. yeah, these are in high demand. We're, we're, we're letting them uh, populate Gardenia thoroughly. But it's, it's beautiful sunrises and sunsets every goddamn day. And the, the smell of clean mountain air away from the pollution and the smog of statism in the cities. You know, so, sometimes libertarians and people, people will ask me like, hey, man, what city do you live in? <laughs> real Italians don't live in cities <laughs> so whatever it is and I, I i'm not i'm not just you know i have that country life bias because right now i i think cities are are man are, are real products of statism i'm not against the concept of cities you know hypothetically uh but people really weren't meant to live all packed in like that and i, I think getting past that is a critical part of this this human evolutionary leap to a voluntary society. We might have cities, but they're not going to look like they do today as the just de decaying products of, of forced government collectivism that they are, because they really have become something disgusting. And I live in a great community. You know, Juniper Wood Ranch, if people want to move out there, send me an email, adam at thefreedomline.com. Just put that out there for anybody who wants to connect with me, general everything we've got a, a sort of rough draft placeholder website for uh homefrontbattlebuddies.com if you want to donate there you can get in touch with me if you if you want to you know uh, we have we have what we have paypal there i think a couple of other things live but uh we we take tax-free uh tax deductible contributions already and i am live monday through friday 8 to 10 a.m at adam versus the man.com and uh since we're talking about fur babies josh i know uh, you, you were a friend of blue as well. I was, I loved that dog very much. He was a very good, when you guys were sleeping in the, in the RV and I was driving, blue was hanging out. You know what I mean? For sure. He was, he was a good dog. I really liked that dog. I, I enjoyed seeing him on the campaign trail. Uh, definitely rest in peace. He was a good, he was one of the goodest boys. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, I got to adopt him when he was just a few months old, uh, as a shelter dog in Santa Fe from an abandoned litter. 
uh, half Dane, half Pitt, at least what he looked like, about 100 pounds at his, at his fittest. And he had an epic life, man, you know, and he was 12 and a half years old when he passed. Uh, and it was really tough, you know, and it, 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 I, he was a part of me. And, and I, he was more popular than I was. Everybody who knew me was like, we like your politics, but we really like your dog. Sure. You know, he was yeah, better personality, nicer, easier to get along with everything. Uh, but, you know, as a as a as a therapy dog for me, as a companion animal, um, I mean, I, 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 he was with me for 12 years and he makes all the humans in my life during that time look like pieces of shit by comparison. I mean, if you added up like, like all the best qualities of everybody I knew during those 12 years and combine them into one superhuman, you would still, you know, dogs are just, they're like love multiplying machines. You know, we as humans could never possibly appreciate them enough. And, uh, it was, it was very sad blue. He, uh, he was blessed to have the last five years of his life after being really on the road for most of the first seven. He had an awesome retirement in Gardenia, um, you know, but his last year, you know, he was getting that hip dysplasia and that decline. And he went from, you know, patrolling our land every day to, to just not being able to walk. And uh, the last two weeks he was with us it was really sad, but we made sure that uh, – you know, he, he had a beautiful end to his life. Um, and, and as I said, on our, our little social media memorial post, he had an epic life and he deserved even more. And, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, it's, it's one of those things as we, you know, as, as, as we transcend into a new era of, of, of the human experience of maybe getting to the point of uploading our consciousness into robots even we will never escape our biological roots and what it means to be human and to be to be alive and there's something about the way that we have co-evolved with dogs and the roles that they can play in our lives that, that, that you know we, we can never appreciate them enough it's it, you know it's just it's it's impossible and so one of the things that, that we want to do with homefront battle buddies as well is provide that experience for veterans and being able to have a uh, service dog or a companion animal and, and do it for free with a dog that you can raise from a puppy and, uh, you know, come meet out here, you know, out, out in Gardenia as, as part of one of these retreats and maybe even, uh, you know, take a dog home with you. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it was, um, it was, it was, it was probably, uh, uh, toughest loss I've, I've ever dealt with, uh, Baloo passing just a few weeks ago, but, uh, his legacy lives on oh, and yeah. thank you for including, a promotional graphic for this show and for top lofts out there for including him. It, it means a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, you know, thousands of people have met Baloo thousands. And, uh, and I've told his stories a couple times. He is actually a direct survivor of police brutality. Oh, wow. He had a flashbang grenade go off right underneath him, like in between his legs when our home was raided in Virginia. And when I got arrested in Texas, he went to doggy jail for a few days before a friend of mine could bail him out. So as a libertarian activist, he's done more than most of y'all. So you got to live up to there too. He was the he was the absolute truest version of a road dog for sure, man. No doubt about it. Uh, so we're getting close. I say to top libertarian movement. You're not going to get better than Blue. I mean, I dare you. I dare you. <laughs> uh, we're just will have done more for the cause of freedom in our lifetimes. You know, I mean, in, in in the human world, we all look up to Ron Paul and Ayn Rand. In the dog world, everybody looks up to Blue. Sure. 
I agree. I agree. I don't. I don't disagree. That's for sure. Uh, we're coming to the end of this thing, but we got some super chats that I want to address uh, before we head out. Craig Daughtry, who's a fellow Iowan uh, libertarian at, like myself now. I'm a transplant. I call myself a, a, a recovering Californian. Uh, Craig says uh, two of my favorite libertarians. He's a big Adam Kokesh fan. I know that. Uh, thank you for that. Top Lobster says back to back anti war messaging shows break the cycle does not miss because uh scott horton was on last night so uh let's see what else we got uh john chow says kokesh at the jefferson memorial was my big awakening i think it was for a lot of people uh anthony finichiaro i think i said that right said put your butter on your steak uh level zero says any thoughts on all of the disaffected police leaving some police forces now and how they may be made to see the illegitimacy of their profession. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of what I'm hoping for and what I'm talking about when I see that I describe this debrutalization of the police state that we're going through right now. And you think about what the police force should be, there's going to be, in terms of staffing, Police in America are just way, way, way overstaffed. You get rid of the drug war, even already, they're struggling to maintain budgets and facilities and and, and protocol and vehicles and everything when when the drug war isn't this major source of revenue that it has been in the past. And I know people will say, well, hey, drug arrests haven't really gone down that much. Um, But it's still a major sign. And I, I think it's not just like a, a, a current phenomena, like part of the George Floyd thing. I think that's the catalyst from massive de-escalation of the police state. Even, even if you just look at all other things holding equal over the next few years, what should be something like a 70, 80% reduction in staffing and police forces nationally in the United States. There's going to be a lot of guys coming out and, and it, it might be a significant social trend that we see, you know, in the next generation that like libertarians right now, I hope with Homefront Battle Buddies kind of finally catching up and, and, and seeing what we can do working with the veterans community. There's, it, it, I think in, in, in 10 years, there's going to be a similar uh, need for guys getting out of law enforcement. But um, a lot of there's a lot of overlap there, too. And it really does get to, you know. De-brutalizing the police state, de-escalating militarization or militarism really gets us away from the fundamental coercive nature of the state. Because without an enforcement class of cops and soldiers willing to do violence on uh, peaceful people on behalf of politicians, the state is not the state as we know it. It is no longer a coercive entity. And whatever stripe of libertarian, whatever adjective you want to apply to your libertarianism, I think we can all agree on that goal. Sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Reed, Reed Capitalist, for uh, Reed Coverdale from the Naturalist Capitalist. He says, "Hey, Josh, I still love you. I still love you too, buddy. I do." Uh, man, we're we're at the we're at the end of this thing. Uh, where do you want? You've said it a few times, but let's make sure that everyone who's watching knows where they can go and check out Adam Kokesh and help Adam Kokesh uh, achieve these wonderful goals for military veterans. Well, in case you were wondering, versus the man is not my legal last name. It's still Kokesh. You can find me everywhere, just Adam Kokesh. Uh, but if you want to remember websites, homefrontbattlebuddies.com, bigigloo.biz, uh, adamversustheman.com is where we're live five days a week, and you can find everything. I should have 
I don't know what to do with my hands when talking about websites. My main website, you can find everything, is thefreedomline.com. So you can remember that. Remember my email. Best way to get me is adam at thefreedomline.com. So thank you, Josh. And to everybody who makes this show possible, if I could say one last thing in closing, what we are doing in breaking the cycle and changing the conversation and fighting the censors and independent media is absolutely a critical part of this movement. And Josh does not support the show by selling laundry detergent and COVID vaccines, okay? So he relies on an active, engaged audience as I do, as all independent media creators who are doing anything meaningful do. So whatever it is, put some money where your eyes and your ears are, support this production, uh, support his sponsors, and if, if there are other shows that you watch, do the same thing because without an active, engaged audience, and that is a form of activism in and of itself, we can't do what we do. This show, this conversation would not be possible. So thank you to everybody who has gotten me and Josh to this point. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for everything you're doing, Adam. You know, I appreciate you. I've, I've, I've had a long friendship with you. Uh, my mom is in the chat and she says hi. And she wants to say, to, she told me to tell Adam that mama says hi. So I figured I'd let you know. Uh, we love the hair. We love the, the whole uh, Wolverine look going on. We appreciate you. Thank you for all that you do. We will talk to you soon, sir. <laughs> all right, guys. Another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. Adam's always fun to talk to. Uh, it, it, it really is cool every time we have a conversation. Uh, it's just kind of like what you guys just saw. We always have that. Even when it was just me and him on the bus, uh, we always had some cool conversations chilling somewhere. Uh, but... Thank you guys for hanging out on Friday night. Make sure that you check out these sponsors, Lorenzotti.coffee, for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Yes, Anthony Finocciari. Uh, I almost messed it up. Anthony Finocciaro. That's it. Uh, I said it. I probably said it the right way the first time because my grandfather was Italian. Uh, he didn't speak Italian, but, you know, same thing, right? Uh, also, check out TopLobster.com for all your wonderful graphic needs. The man is amazing. Look at these awesome hoodies. You can get this camo hoodie using BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And, of course, executive producers show AnthemPlanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. They're doing a job that the government sucks at much more efficiently and probably for a much better price. Please check them out. See what they can do for you today. Coming up on the show... Uh, Monday, we're going to have Nick Ashley from the individualist podcast. He's currently in a lot of hot water on Twitter because he's, uh, one of the best trolls around. So definitely go and support that man. Wednesday, we're going to have Angela McArdle for LNC chair, my choice for chair of the LNC. You guys are not going to want to miss that conversation as someone who just ran, uh, perpetually for chair for four years. I can tell you it's going to be a good one. And then Friday, we're going to have Olivia Rondow on the show, uh, I don't remember which division wrestler she is, but she is a badass female uh, uh, collegiate wrestler and also a pretty conservative, uh, liberty-leaning person that's going to be a lot of fun to have on the show. You guys are not going to want to miss it. Please check out the Patreon. Like Adam said, uh, I don't sell laundry detergent. I would like to uh, make this another revenue stream for my family while bringing the voice of the voices of liberty to the public. So if you can support the show, check out patreon.com backslash break the cycle JS. If you hate Patreon like a lot of libertarians do, you can check out subscribestar.com backslash break the cycle JS. And now you can join as a member of the Break the Cycle YouTube channel. It's a couple bucks a month. You get awesome badges that are hand-drawn by Top Lobster, awesome custom emojis that you can use in the chat. So if you are one of the people who are always in the chat, this is an awesome option for you because you get to show off your support for Break the Cycle. Guys, we are now 
so close to breaking 2,000 uh, uh, listeners a week on the audio podcast. So if you guys don't have time to always watch the, the YouTube live streams or the replays of the live streams, you can listen to us on most podcast uh, apps, and it really does help. We'll be able to monetize that someday. Someday. I think they require like 10,000 listens a week. But we're getting close. I mean, we're, we're at like one-fifth now. So uh, in two months, you guys are killing it. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I look forward to seeing you all Monday with Nick Ashley. But until then, don't forget to break the cycle. Due to legal reasons, I just have to explain. The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse and the frame. But I just spent it in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do. So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse because I just spent it in Minecraft. Lord Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold. Accusations of incitement getting totally old. Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just meant it in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft